Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Again, it is good to be back, and I, I so enjoy the act of preaching that I kind of hated over the last two weeks watching you all come into church because I kind of wanted to be in church. Like, I don't like being apart. So much of the fact, Caleb said to me last Sunday, he's like, can we just go golf and get you out of here? And so, yes, I was a cliche last week. I got out, clearly was God's will. I shot really well on nine, not that anybody cares. But part of what... I do over this two weeks that I take in the middle of the summer is just kind of think about what has been and think about what is coming. And I couldn't help but be stirred by the fact that in the next couple of months, we are going to do several baptisms. And I'm fired up about this. Today we kick this off. It's appropriate my first Sunday back. We're going to do Everett today, but we've got several to come. Don't ask me who they are right now. I was at Bible school. I got to go back and check exactly who we're baptizing. But nevertheless, we are going to talk baptism for a couple of times over the next couple of months. And what will be fun about this is that, as you'll notice today, most of these children are two to three years old. We finally get to baptize all the COVID kids, which is fun. I'm looking forward, which means these baptisms are about to be a riot, and I'm really excited about that. So let's do this first one today. Here at the beginning, let us ask ourselves what baptism is all about. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to say when we do a baptism? And so I want to begin this whole, the next couple of months with this question, and it's the title of my sermon today. What is the truest thing about us? Not sort of how you identify. I'm saying theologically, from the point of view of God, what is the truest thing about us? In church, we have to have an answer for this because this is the groundwork for everything we do. If you like, you know, if you need an example of this, like the answer to this question is why we do Bible school. The answer to this question is why we do worship. The answer to this question is why we do service outside of the community. This is the question for all of them. What's the truest thing about us and how will we know that? And for that answer, I suggest today, as we said, let's turn to our children. Because our Savior, the one who will teach us the answer to this question, came into the world not as a book, Not as a guru, not as a spirit or a thought. The Savior who will teach us about who we are came into this world as a child. And so children invite us always. They are a living representation to think about, to think deeply about Christ and about our life and what it means to live well in light of God. Now what's fun is there are a lot of answers that we might give to this question, but let's be thoughtful. Let's slow down and think through a couple answers that we might give. And I've heard a lot of answers as I've thought about this over the last two weeks. I was scrolling through Facebook as you do, you know, when you've had enough of vacation and and family, and so you you just kind of spend some time. And one of the things that I saw, one of the answers to this question on Facebook was somebody who said, we are not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. As I'm sitting there looking at this, I'm going, um, I'm having both. Thank you very much. But if God is a physical being or God is a spiritual being, then God has little to say and little power about the other. 
That won't do. We need a God who can speak to the spirituality about ourselves and the physicality of ourselves. And I might suggest that this kind of answer to the question, what is most true about us, is part of the reason why we have a left-right divide in our country. Half of the country wants to answer this question, God is spiritual. The other half wants to answer this question, no, God is physical. And that is all based in bad theology. I don't like that answer. Another popular answer is, well, it comes right out of the Bible, Pastor, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is the truest thing about each and every one of us. Now, let me be honest. I believe that with all my heart. Bad news from the pastor this morning, that all of us have sinned, newsflash, and fall short of the glory of God. But if we are defined by our sin, then that defines God as judge, And if God is our judge, then what we do here is just the sin reduction business. That's what church becomes. We are in the sin reduction business. God becomes rule giver, and we are called to therefore then be rule followers. Those that do the rules go to heaven, and those that don't, well, let you answer that question for yourself. So if that is the truest thing about us then, that we are sinners then what would we say to Everett today? Well, Everett, you better be good because God is going to judge you one day. Besides that being a terrifying prospect, it would be better than if we didn't baptize him, yes? Would we really lay all of that on the shoulders of a child who has no voice in the matter? Now, he's a little old. He's got a little more voice than I'm used to, but his is still not ready to accept that responsibility. Would we have children sign on to this? without being made fully aware of the terms and conditions? That, in a way, would be a cruelty. But unfortunately, that's how it's often seen, including by the church. we got to baptize the child to keep the angry God away because we are sinful people. But consider, alongside of that, the stories we tell. Is there one story... In all of the scriptures, where the truest thing about that person is that they are people under judgment, I say no. I'm going to go through this quickly. Hang on. Adam and Eve, the first words that that we hear about them is God blessed them and gave them purpose. And in the next story, it says God breathed into their nostrils the breath of life and they became living beings. Abundance and blessing before the serpent shows up. There is something before our sin. Moses was a child at risk who was saved from a river. That is goodness. The very people of Israel, God doesn't wait for them to get it right. God says, you will be my people and I will be your God. David, we don't know anything about David until until, um, Samuel comes to anoint him. And God tells him, look, don't look at the physical appearance. God looks on the heart, clearly meaning that David's got something special about him that God sees even more than his brokenness. All the way, and we get to Jesus, where Jesus is identified as Emmanuel, God with us. Not one time does God identify a child, a newborn, or even a new people with sin, judgment, or separation from God. No, here at the waters, we get a different answer. Let's look at how Jesus is baptized. Jesus comes to the waters to be baptized. Now, you need to understand what baptism was. What John was doing is not exactly the same as what we do, but it's related John the Baptist didn't invent baptism. It was happening before. It was a ritual washing. If you want to go look this up, the Hebrew word for it is mikvah. It is still practiced in Jewish communities today. 
But it was a ritual washing that you weren't allowed to come into the presence of God or to the temple of God until you are ritually washed. And so in this way, it, it was a baptism of repentance. There's something off with me. I need to get that right before I go worship. And in that way, it is a call to a holy life. And that, that, um, and that John is baptizing in the Jordan, what he's trying to do is remind Israel of their story. That way back, once upon a time, we read it in Exodus, God had led them through the Red Sea and across the River Jordan into the freedom of the promised land. So he's trying to remind them of the stories that they have told for generations. A new way of living based in God's life and God's covenant. So then why would Jesus, who we claim is sinless, why would he need to be baptized? Well, exactly. Exactly. Baptism's not about sin. It's about something else entirely. You say, all right, Reverend, get to it. Okay, here we go. Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, speaking for the first time in Matthew, says to John, no, no, it is right that we do this. It is right that you baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. Fulfill all righteousness. Remember, Jesus, we believe, is the embodiment of that righteousness, the embodiment of truth and justice and right living in the sight of God. And in doing so, Jesus joins himself to our story and in doing so opens up a new way of being. Quite literally, there is an opening that happens as a part of this story. So John consents, and Jesus goes down into the water, and to the best of our knowledge, Jesus is fully immersed in the river, in the river Jordan, fully immersed in the story of the people of God, fully immersed, kind of covered over. You can almost think of it as a death. And then he comes back up. And what happens when he comes back up? It says the heavens tear open. Every once in a while, folks ask me, Where would you, what one Bible story would you like to be a part of? This is the one. I want to see what the heavens tearing open looks like. But the heavens tear open and the Holy Spirit comes down and everyone hears. The voice of God say, this is my beloved son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That is all righteousness, all truth, and all justice. Jesus is the beloved son. And Jesus has joined himself to us. And in this, Jesus has turned a tool of repentance, sort of sin reduction, into a tool of love and identity. That truth will be the truest thing about Jesus, that he is the beloved son of God. It will be the truest thing about him all the way through his teaching and his miracles, all the way to the cross and to his resurrection and to the ascension and, friends, even to his presence here with us today. When we step into these waters, metaphorically, though Everett might by the time this is all said and done, we don't come to deal with sin. Everett has none. He certainly will, of course, but not today. And certainly baptism will help him deal with sin as he matures, as baptism and the church continue to call him to a holy life. But that's not what today is about. For this moment, what baptism is, at the end of the day, is a desire to say unequivocally the truest thing about you, that you are the beloved child of God. Let me say that again. What is the truest thing about you? That you are the beloved child of God just as you are. Full stop. Which is why we baptize children. Because we want to say it at the beginning. We want to say it before anyone else whispers any other identity or any other truth to you. 
before you lifted one finger towards either virtue or vice, before you said one word or had any agency in your life, God was crazy and is crazy about you. And that never changes. Before you decided to follow Jesus, Jesus decided to follow you and called you and seeks to lavish on you grace and mercy and peace and growth and discipleship all the way to the very kingdom of God. So do we need baptism? Is baptism a requirement for this? Well, that's a little tricky. Does God need baptism? You theologians can wrestle with me, but yes, I heard that. No, the answer is no. God doesn't need this to love me. And God doesn't need your baptism to love you. But do I need it? Do you need it? I kind of think so. Because God is constant. I am not. God is always. I am finite. I am far too fickle. I am far too unreliable to trust myself to sort of, I love God, I love God, God loves me, God loves me. No, there are all moments when we're like, God can't stand me. But baptism always reminds us of a different truth. Christ is reliable when I am not. And in this way, baptism is not a thing I do for God. It is a thing that God offers to us. So when we wonder and doubt and struggle, we have something as reliable as Christ to lean on. Here, we put a milestone that never moves. Even if our life is a total screw-up, we look all the way back and say, the first thing that was true about me is that God loves me, and that never changes. And so parents, Kelly, Allie, what is your responsibility? Sorry, we do this one time in your life. We'll call you out. (laughs) But what is our responsibility as parents? To love? I mean, of course, sure. But you don't need a sacrament to reinforce that for you. Like, he hadn't been baptized, and he looks really well-loved. All right, And the family is here. He's well-loved. We don't need the sacrament for that. But consider the liturgy that we'll use. You can look at it. It's in your bulletin. Most of it is printed there. We use a liturgy that has been handed down, but is evolving, it's always evolving, as we grow into its invitations. It begins, friends, not with mandates, not with here's what you ought to do. It begins with good news. We who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death so that we too might walk in the newness of life. Furthermore, you are no longer strangers and sojourners. You are not outsiders. You are equally citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Liturgy proclaims a gospel that, you are be, that, we, that we invite one another, we bury one another, so to speak. We immerse one another in the life of Christ, full participants in the unfolding of God's grace in the world. And then we ask, do you desire this? Is that what you want? It is a big, it's a big deal, right? Like there's big asks as part of this. But the purpose then is not to remind you to love your kid. It's a plea to share the love of God, the truest thing about him with him. The most important thing in the world is that Everett knows that he is loved by God and that he is, and he will discover that love through your love and through our love as a church and through love that he is yet to discover. And to the extent that we can say that as humans, we say, do you want to baptize this child? Is this the road you want to go down? Because you can't undo this. God, in the most beautiful way possible, will haunt him from this day forward. 
in its beautiful way. Stop, don't think of haunt as, you know, like Halloween, chill. God will, be, God will follow his footsteps every day for the rest of his life. Why? Not because I saw that. God will do it because he said, I'm crazy about you. Do you reject evil? Will you help teach these principles, not of judgment, but of love? Will you teach him the things that teach us about love? That's what the commandments and the sacraments and the Bible and all that kind of stuff is. And will you join him in that journey? Will you join him in a journey towards God's love? And then we turn to the congregation and say, will you promise your love, support, and care? We need to come with a better line for this. This feels like it's way too quick. Like we need something that's got a little more oomph to it. But for today, that's what we'll ask. And that sentence does have a lot of oomph behind it because everything we do, church, is based upon that. If we say, yeah, we promise our love, support, and care, then every word we utter, every song we sing, every prayer we say, every meeting we have is about making sure that there is love shed for each and every person who God loves. And guess who that is? That is everybody. So we'll promise that. And therefore, it must occupy our thoughts always. We have commitments on this day to see through. And so, friends, with this in mind, with God's loves haunting all of us. Let us then go with Jesus. Let us come down to the waters. Go to the waters and find there the love of God and find there oil, the sign of abundance which we mark on the head. Say, you know what? You are a child of the king and let us find grace there that no matter wherever it goes and no matter where we go, God is following after us, not with judgment, not with sin reduction. He follows us with love always and that never changes because it's the truest thing about us amen